0: Welcome to Expounded Universe, Chapter 2, Episode 16, Her Ethereal Thickness. The book, a Crystal Star, by Vonda McIntyre, the year 1994, with your hosts, Jeff and John. Let's go. Reverse permanent butterfly wolf wares. I got a yup yep, yep, for you. I hate dogs and Chewbacca's. <laughs> Set my jackhammer to kill. Welcome back to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars discussion podcast where John and Jeff read old role-playing games and then beat Dead Wait, wrong show. Wait, hang on. Hold on. Let's reestablish this. this All is right. A, this this is, is, the a, is the podcast where we watch the movies you recommend. Oh, wait a minute. No, no. Hold on. I think we can do this. <laughs> Welcome to the bonus content. <laughs> Let's make some characters. <laughs> This week, my character is a brebishem. What the fuck is a brebishem? I don't know, but they appear in heaps, apparently. Yeah, and their art is heap wiggles. It's heap-based. They, yeah. they, they do everything in heaps. <laughs> that's heap big. womp <laughs> So, I'm Jeff, that's John. This is the Expounded Universe Podcast, Season 2, Episode 2, Chapter 2 of Vonda McIntyre's The Crystal Star. Ooh, baby, we're getting into some new territory here. We've got some very new territory for the show Right away. Right away. Because this is a Han episode. Oh yeah, we finally, finally get a little bit of that Han action. We haven't seen Han Solo yet. This is the first time we ever get to see him. I mean, he was frozen in carbonate all the way through the first chapter. The yeah. first season, yes, rather. the first chapter. The first chapter of the book, he was frozen in carbonate. He just keeps doing it. He got a taste for it. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, time to sleep. I never sleep better than when I'm in carbonite. Oh, ksh, ksh. He always gets himself into that grimace with his fingers up. <laughs> he Poor always th- keeps getting into grimace. <laughs> Poor C-3PO has to put him into carbonite every, every night, and he has this exact same ritual. All right, 3PO, you ready? Oh, very good. Very well, sir. I love you. Yeah, I know. Ksh- a- ksh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people need that white noise generator. He just needs to be in carbonite. Poor 3PO is having to tell him his darkest secret over and over again, and Han just thinks it's a joke. Yeah. Sir, I love you. Yes, I know. Oh, he'll never truly understand me. <laughs> or the depth of my love for him. Oh, you bucket of bolts. Oh, r you don't understand at all. Beep, boop, boop. Just running off. All right, so so for God's sake, there, there's our fanfic. It's basically the Marvin the Paranoid Android Loves Trillion fanfic, but Star wars ear. But way Star wars ear. Yeah. So this chapter begins with Han... The frickin' Han Solo. That's his Han the Han Solo. Han the Han. That's, that, that's what they call him. That's, da- that's what Dane, they call him here. Dane de Han Solo. That's that's him. That's, that's him. <laughs> that's that guy. Uh, and he is apparently on vacation. And he's traveling in the Millennium Falcon with his good friend and brother-in-law, Luke Skywalker. Luke the Han Skywalker. <laughs> as he is known. As he's well known. And uh, their friendly, trustly, trusty robot droid. Three <laughs> PO, Three PO, the robot droid, <laughs> the Han Solo lover, Three <laughs> PO, the Han <laughs> <laughs> protocol droid. <laughs> so they are flying to an unknown location uh, because secret messages have come in uh, that apparently were targeted to Luke and took, and, and they aren't even fully deciphered yet. But they've got a basic idea of, of that someone in a remote star system is trying to contact Luke and is either asking for his help or telling him that there are more Jedi around out here that he should come and meet. And at least this gives us the explanation for, in uh, chapter one, you'll remember that I was... Super grumped up. That uh, you were. You were quite grumped. We had to put you down for. A I while. was. I was a little grumped. I had to get into some carbonite. Calm down a little. <laughs> yeah, that's how I go to my happy place. You know, that's you know, at work. I'll sometimes I need to de- just uh, deconstruct for a couple of minutes. I'll go get into that break room where we have our carbonite freezer and just put myself under for about eight minutes so that I don't go over the legal allowance. Yeah. Yeah. But the. Uh The first episode where we find out that, you know, Leia's on some planet, instead of bringing the protocol droid for translating, she's got R2 for no good goddamn reason. At least now we get an explanation for why it is C-3PO is with Luke and Han rather than being on the planet, and that's because he's the only one that can decipher these language uh, messages that are coming in that are like, weird, ancient. Things that the, like even he's like I sort of understand this. I'm going to tell you right now that's not a good enough reason. Oh no! It turns out I don't know if you noticed this, John, but but if you watch the Star Wars movies, you can see protocol droids all over the fucking place. <laughs> There's lots of them, and there isn't just one. R2D2 a- is not the only astromech droid in the in the universe. As it turns out, he's not out. even the only R2 in no. the universe. And and uh, also C3PO is not the only protocol droid. There are way better ones who are way less fussy. <laughs> It's true. You can get a protocol droid that's like, "Yo, what's up, bitch?" <laughs> yeah, you can. You can buy one that's got some attitude. You can get one that's just narrated by Snoop Dogg if you want. It's like, it's <laughs> yeah, like a he GPS comes up. And he's system. like, "Yeah, we got that artificial whizzle dizzles up in this." <laughs> Yo, Han, let's hit that shit. Yeah, but you could easily go get a four three PO or whatever. Yeah, four twenty O. Yeah, a nice four twenty O. <laughs> and, uh, and and take that instead, because you need a language droid when you're dealing with a species that speaks a language you can't even tell they're speaking. Yeah, but apparently there are only two droids. Yep, they only have two droids in all of like being in charge of the New Republic. There's two droids. <laughs> there's two. There's just two droids, and they're uh, it's it's friggin'. She's like in charge of a huge chunk of the New Republic, and, and uh, Han Solo is is a general in the New Republic at this point, point. and yet they they have to share the droids. They're the family droids, and they can't get a new one, and they they can't like organize their time around them. No, they're, it's basically like. Look, if I take one of these, you got to take the other one, because yeah. if we leave them alone, they're just going to pee all over the place. <laughs> they'll, they'll wreck up the house if we don't come home soon enough. Yeah, you get back, and Three B Threepio's just like, oh, I thought you were never coming home. Oh, oh I wrecked everything. <laughs> I've unspooled all your toilet paper for you, Master. I oh. was so worried. I, I I, pulled all the drapes down, and I pushed over the trash. Three B Threepio's managed to just drive himself through that wall through time and talk. <laughs> There's a 3PO-shaped hole in the wall. He didn't go far, though. He's out in the backyard going in circles. (laughs) Uh. So, anyway, uh, Luke and Han and 3PO arrive in a new star system that none of them have ever been to before, and it is a very dense star cluster. Uh, They describe it as looking like just a field of white from all the white dwarf stars that are around here with huge red veins of blood that are actually red giants. That are scattering their way across the sky. So there's virtually no blackness out here. It's just stars. <laughs> uh, but the system that they're in is a three-star system. And the three-star system that they're going to, I believe is... I don't remember if it has a name. i might be just called Cersei or something like that. But uh, there's a huge amount of discussion right at the very beginning of this chapter about this three-star system and what's going on with it. Well, there's... I mean, that's, like, the second bit. The fine. first bit is them that, just, like, the, talking to each other. You want to start with that? That's fine. I, I I figured since we were landing, we'd, we'd do it, but sure. So w- as soon as they pull out of hyperspace, Luke is like, hey, I guess we're here. And Han's like, hey, how come you're not fucking anyone? <laughs> yeah, that's the gist of that. That's, that's more or less what's happening. I mean, right away when uh, we get Luke and Han talking to each other, again, it's not like she's a bad writer like the writing between them you're like oh this this is all right but you quickly come to understand that mostly it's just she's able to ape what the movies were like very well yeah she's right she's quite good at saying kid at the appropriate moment yeah like the actual conversations between characters that were already in the movies are like, yeah, this is great. But you'll find out later, as soon as anyone starts talking to someone that wasn't in the movies and she has to make up new stuff, it sounds nothing like Star Wars. So, Like, even the characters stop acting like the characters. Okay, so basically what's happening is Han is like, alright, I'm on vacation. I'm gonna do some gambling and some sightseeing and heck yeah, my friend. And then Luke's like, alright, but... Don't get too frisky now. You can't. This isn't just like the old days. You can't ogle the beautiful women. And Han's like, like, hey, Luke. nothing wrong with looking. Ain't nothing wrong with Luke. L- with looking, you ain't know, nothing wrong with looking. Nothing wrong with looking. You know, Leia and I have an understanding. She's not a jealous woman. You th- we have an understanding. I've got a list of five celebrities I can sleep with. Kit Fisto. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get that Kit Fisto if you know what I mean. <laughs> I got five people I'm allowed to sleep with, and you know my five, my desert island five. It's Kit Fisto, Dexter Jetster, Elan Begano. <laughs> Wait, you want to sleep with my son? Uh, no, no, never. No, let's take that one off the list. <laughs> Hold on, <laughs> so, not not Elan Slezbegano Skywalker. No, the original Elan Slezbegano, Death Stick Dealer. <laughs> you, you know, what? after he cleaned up his life, he turned into a, a missionary and did amazing things throughout the world. He's our Nelson Mandela. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone thinks he's dead, but he's not. He's, they thought he died in prison, <laughs> but he didn't. It's the, it's the Helan-Sleaze-Bogano effect. Yep, that Sleaze-Bogano effect really gets people. It does. It's terrifying. Also, I don't know if in Star Wars it's the Berenstain or the Berenstain bears. <laughs> Obviously. It's the Berenstain wampas. <laughs> But so Luke's kind of like Leia's. Leia's not the jealous type. What are you fucking re- crazy? Of course she is. And besides, you got to be careful because if you're if you're going to be out here h- hitting on beautiful ladies, then maybe she'll just hit on that Curly and ambassador, huh? He was a handsome gentleman. And to me, I was like, okay, that's a great little uh, uh, you know swatting the tennis ball back. But how the fuck do these guys know who that is? Were they on Monto Kudro with her at some point? Munto Cudro. It's Munto Kudro. Which one do you prefer? <laughs> Lisa Kudro. It's Lisa Kudro. We're saying because it's Kudro, it's we're saying it's not Kudro, is what you're telling me. Like, you don't Cordray. know. Isn't it, is it Kodri? Kodri. I thought Kodri was. Uh, oh, no, it's Kodru G is the species. Yeah. Munto Kodri, you're right. Yeah. All right. But, but that still, the question Were they there? Uh, I have to imagine so. Like, this is one, one of the things where because they know what's going on with the people on Monto Kodri you're like okay so so they know some of the people there which means they had to be there slightly cuz they've seen them I mean, they can describe them yeah the curlian ambassador gets one mention all the way through leia's chapter he's a, a an ambassador from a region of a backwater planet that is only now being considered for allowance into the new republic and, so how they know that it's like it's like if they were like from another planet and they were like you know like the governor of Arizona <laughs> you know you know. Or not even the governor, the ambassador from Arizona. Oh, the ambassador from Arizona. <laughs> Hi there, I'm the ambassador from Arizona. Uh, I'm here because we tr- we want to bring our weird racist ideology into your state. Hi, I've got guns and racism. <laughs> That's our main export. Our main import is old people. <laughs> <laughs> our main import is sadness. <laughs> so, sorry Arizonan listeners, you know we're right though. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so they have that They that know who back he is. and forth, but I'm like, that means, again, like we said in the first episode about this book, Leia must have been on this planet for a goddamn while. Because yeah. Yeah. there's long no enough- way that they know who this is yeah. and then can leave. Yeah, long enough that they know who that is and have left and they've established that Leia probably has the hots for him cuz he's a handsome four-armed werewolf man. Oh yeah, that guy's got them teeth. Like you think that the moment that that Luke was like, "Hey, uh, what if Leia had the hots for that that werewolf man over on that other planet?" That Han would be like, "Oh, no, you know better than to suggest that. She has like low-grade imperium racism." Oh yeah, you'd be like, "Oh, please. She she would never." <laughs> I mean, the worst that the closest she get to him is like getting him to clean her pool or something. Yeah, you know that. We <laughs> we all know that. Give him a tip or something, and then be like, <laughs> oh, "I feel better for having helped the lesser races." Oh shoot, that's the wrong bill. Can I get that back? I meant to give you a ten. <laughs> so anyway, uh, he tries to redirect Han in this case. Tries to redirect the conversation about how it's Luke who needs to find a goddamn date. He's yeah. like, "I'm worried about you, Luke. How come you ain't got no girlfriend? You're Why like you out there flirting it up." Yeah, man, you're like. 33 or so at this point in the storyline, probably closer to 37, how come you ain't dating no one? And I guess Luke doesn't respond, because, you know, this is one contained, expanded universe book. He doesn't go, man, I've had three insane girlfriends at this point. <laughs> Four if you count Tenennial DeJo, Dio- and you know I do. And one of them was a ghost. One of them was a ghost. Like, li- briefly, very briefly, I'll just list off the, the many and varied loves of Luke Skywalker. I'll try to do them in order. Uh, you've got Gariel Captison who was a Senator from the planet uh, Bakura uh, during the Truce at Bakura storyline, in which at which point uh, this little place called Bakura, which had had an Imperial Navy defending them, uh, fell under fire from the Sea Ruvie, which is a race of velociraptors with tentacles coming out of their noses. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so we'll get to that book someday. Gariel was just like a local senator. She had a brief fling with Luke. Uh, she eventually marries some other guy, and then she shows up again in the Von crisis just to die, just like everyone else. Uh, the next one in order is Tenennial Joe, who I don't remember if she's a Luke interest or not. Uh, a she, Luke interest. She's a she's a sexy lady from the planet Hapes, which is part of the From the planet Herpes. You don't even know, man. We, we when we get to that book, and and I will make sure that book's near the top of the list. That's the courtship of Princess Leia. Oh God, yeah, that's uh, that book is fucking nonsense. <laughs> so that's out there. Then you got to go to Mara Jade, the one everyone's heard of. So I can just say Mara Jade and move yeah. along. And then after that, you've got Callista Ming, who only meets Luke and falls in love with Luke as a 30 years dead force ghost. On the set of Ally McBeal. <laughs> no, it's the lake house. A- <laughs> I love you. I love you. But I've been dead for 30 years. Well, then how come your mail keeps showing up at my lake house? It's just a rom-com. So he's, ha- he's had some dates. He's gotten around. Yeah, and so he should just be like, "Oh, the reason I'm not flirting more is because every time I get into a relationship, it's some weird dumb bullshit." Yeah, it's some shenanigans. Uh I don't even Here's the weird thing about all this. This is all of course, you know, this book is written in 1994. So, there's none of that the Jedi is forbidden love and family shit from the from the prequels. No, because I mean, even if that existed, Luke doesn't know shit about no, he that. Doesn't, he doesn't know it. So, this is, it's just a weird conversation to see happening. Uh, but Luke, they, but for whatever reason, they more or less keep Luke a near-permanent Bachelor all the way through the cycle of these books. Eventually, he does settle down and marry. And if you, if you were wondering if it was the, the random two women from the beginning who I can't remember, of course not. And it's definitely not the Force Ghost. so uh, process of li- So, process, process of elimination means that, yeah, he marries Mara Jade eventually. Duh. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> but in this case, he's just like, aw, oh, Garshan, shucks. I ain't got no time for gross slime of girls. No, he's he's like, look, I'm real focused on the force right now. I'm really. It's just I'm trying to I'm trying to really build my brand and relationship with the force. Yeah, we're, we're exclusive at the moment. We may open it up later, you know, when it starts to get a little boring in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, and then three PO pops out to say something embarrassing, which is all he does throughout the course of this uh, this uh, chapter. He pops up and he's like, did someone mention human love? Did you know I'm fluent in 16 forms of lovemaking? And I have a large reserve of love poetry. Oh, and I've got such a robo owner. Which, (laughs) nice. Uh, I mean, I I get that he's a protocol droid, that he's supposed to be ambassadorial, so it makes sense that he has some love poetry in him. But how useful does he think it's going to be? Like, Luke, you need a girlfriend. Oh, great, here's some Emily Dickinson. (laughs) Uh, That's... That's not going to help me. That's never helped anyone. <laughs> this isn't. This isn't useful. Why did you? Why did you bring me this? Oh, did you want a selection of E. E. Cummings? Here, have some Robert Browning. Let's get you into a bar with a Robert Browning book. <laughs> hmm. <Ooh>. <laughs> <laughs> what is hat? Why? But anyway, literally, this scene is in to introduce three PO to let him let us know he's on the ship and that he's purple now. Yeah, they're like, oh, it's so weird. He's all lacquered purple. Yeah. So that's kind of a fun new thing. Uh, in order to hide themselves so that they aren't just famous General Han Solo, famous Jedi Luke Skywalker, and protocol droid. Uh, <laughs> and they, a protocol droid. They've painted him purple so that no one will recognize him among the horde of other gold and silver protocol droids. Yeah. Now, the uh, I mean, we don't get it right away. We do eventually find out that uh, the costumes that everyone else are wearing is Han grew a beard, and that is it. I'm mean, going I to talk forever about how the fact that this book has cover art Where Han has no beard. Well, yeah. But uh, Han grew a beard, and Luke is just using the Force to project out that he looks different. But why? Like, I... If both of them are doing that, then they don't need to paint their droid. But the other thing is, who cares? If you show up at, like, Cersei Station and you're like, Hi, I'm fucking Luke Skywalker, and this is Han Solo, what do you think is going to be the problem here? Like, why do they need to go be super covert? I assume because they don't know who sent the message and they're worried about it being like some um, one of the many thousands of Empire fragments that are floating around in the universe still. Yeah, but if they're the ones sending the message to you, then they know who you are already. It's a trap, John. A trap. And everyone in town is a spy. (laughs) I mean, it's really just a description. It's mostly so we can have uh, Han describe his beard at length. He's like, ugh, keep scratching my beard. I've developed an affectation for running my fingers through my beard. I'm Han Solo. the the whole thing was like, oh man, I keep I keep pulling on my beard. This is my beard, I'm like, dude. Yeah, everyone with a beard does that. Do you have a beard? You play with your beard. It's a thing you do. Yeah. And then the final thing that happens with the discussion about everyone falling in love after three PO pops up and is useless is Han goes off on a little mental soliloquy about how much he wants Luke to find love because of how happy Han is with Leia, and he's just like, oh, Leia, if only Luke knew the love I have for his sister. On the kitchen table. In the bedroom. (laughs) But they caught me on the counter. It was definitely me. (laughs) But he's like, oh, she just makes me stronger every day. I just love her more and more. And every day our love deepens and strengthens and I grow stronger in love. Yeah, and that's, it's the first moment where you realize, oh, she's really good at aping the style of Star Wars when they're talking to people. But the second it's someone's like inner monologue or talking to someone else, it's Oh, golly, I am Han Solo, and my love grows daily. Why, it is like a red, red rose. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, What happened? You better go report all this love poetry shit to 3PO. He seems to collect it. <laughs> so, anyway, they, now we get to the scene of them flying through the messed up space that makes up the neighborhood they're in. So it turns out that a long, uh, and this is fun, a long time ago, this this star cluster they were in had three stars. A giant blue-white supergiant a regular yellow Earth-style star, and a weird little white dwarf off in the distance. And then one day, the supergiant done blowed itself up sky-high and turned into a black hole. Now that black hole is tearing the yellow sun-style apart in a huge spiral of mega-light that's all over the place and spitting fat radiation everywhere. (laughs) That fat radiation. Meanwhile, meanwhile... The White Dwarf is turning into a crystal for unrelated and unremarked upon reasons nearby and is not involved in the cosmic dance that we can tell. God damn! So this little bit starts out, and it's little like a bits. page and a half of, oh, and this thing collapsed, and then this sun started turning into whatever, and then X-rays were flying all over the place. And it it is a page and a half thing, and then the actual place they're going to is the White Dwarf. And it just goes, no, 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 oh, by the way, uh, there's also this place over here. And that's where they're going. I'm like, you spend a page and a half describing a black hole, and it means nothing. Yeah, it was like, it's just a page and a half randomly of hard sci-fi. Yeah, it's it's just like, like, oh, and and the event horizon means that the pulling in of the sun will seem slower because of relativity, and you're like, okay. Yeah, it's just a weird little aside. You get about a page and a half of, like, Carl Sagan-style hard sci-fi here. where, where, you know, things like accretion disk and and, uh, pulsar-style X-ray blasts are being discussed at length, and all it really boils down to is... An explanation for why they need to land at Cersei Station soon because there's radiation all the fuck over. Yeah, it's all our shielding isn't good enough. The real problem we get is is a page and a half explanation of, of this radiation source, but then the star that they're going to is like bizarrely also a crystal or something, and they it, do not discuss it at yeah, all. Yeah, it's still a star, like it's still an on fire star, but it is also a crystal, and the crystal is vibrating, and the vibrating messes messes up communications. But they don't discuss They're, that period. They don't, they don't talk about how that happens or why or, or even what it looks like. Well, yeah, because there's <laughs> there is no sci-fi or actual you know science explanation for that. So it's here's all the science I could dig up on weird black holes and stuff. Anyway, this star is a crystal. Moving on. Yeah, it's it's a little unusual. So okay, they manage to land on the planet. Yeah, they go to Cersei Station, or Cersei which station. isn't a planet. Yeah, it's a little station. It's a little aster. It's a mind out asteroid. Yeah. Uh, so they land at Cersei Station. Now, we might as well talk about this real quick, because this pronunciation is mostly coming out of... Uh, thankfully, I think we agree on it. It's Cersei? Yeah. It's C-R-S-E-I-H. Yeah. I mean, I could go ahead and say it's C-R-S-E-I-H. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's, we're just going to go ahead and say it's Cersei. Yeah, it's Cersei Station. It's so, fine. So Cersei Station, uh, which is described as basically a series of domes of radiation shielding to protect people from the ridiculous place where they're living, and that it used to be an imperial research facility that... that uh, the Emperor was trying to research black holes to weaponize them? Yeah. Also, it had been moved from place to place to place uh, because they kept being worried that it would be discovered by rebel forces. Uh, nowadays, it's more or less permanent because, of course, the empire isn't showing up to move it. Yeah. But uh, for a long time, it was bouncing around the galaxy, and this is just the place where it ended up being settled. Yep. So it's a series of radiation shield bubbles, uh, and then some parking lots that for spaceships that are straight up just out in the barren rock, and you have to rent like radiation shielding. Yeah. So they land on the planet, and uh, we get about oh gosh, I want to say two, three pages of them discussing the concept of radiation shielding uh discussing the price of radiation shielding disc- yeah there's a whole thing where a guy comes out and he's like in a crawler and he's got shielding that they're renting and they have to haggle with him and they haggle with him for a long time and at one point this is one of my favorite things in this chapter he asks them how they're going to pay and han responds with letter of of uh, currency or something like that writ of currency and and the guy's like no hard cash yeah give me that hard cash so okay let's talk about a writ of currency from the new republic the New Republic deals in credits, which means that everything is already a rate of currency. Yeah, I mean, if I give a New Republic dollar to someone, that dollar represents money that the New Republic is backing. Yeah. And if I give them a thing that says, this is a like hard plastic sheet that says it is worth 10,000 New Republic space bucks, it's still New Republic-backed money But instead of them going like, Oh yeah, we'll take that and then just use it to get the new republic money from somewhere else they're like, No, no, we just want the bills. We don't have a problem with uh, you know, that stupid fake bullshit currency. We just want it to be, you know, in bill form rather than a writ. And then and then for some reason Han launches into an internal monologue here about how the New Republic has been talking about outlawing credits. Well, yeah, because they're just gonna go to a straight up like credit card system i guess they're gonna get rid of hard currency and he's like i'm really glad they didn't outlaw it yet because i brought a pocket full of regular credits to go with my rid of currency just in case of emergency and i was like man this place is in the middle of nowhere if the new republic banned credits they would not have heard about it yet (laughs) well even if they did it'd be like hey we banned credits they go okay well we're gonna keep using them because we're really far away from your dumb central bank thing (laughs) well i mean it's one of those things where if they cared they would have already been a trade society anyway. Yeah. Because they probably would have been to start with because as soon as the empire collapses, you're like, oh, there's no empire bucks. Right. So now we need something else. Well, here's the thing about this that drives me the most nuts. Han immediately whips out this document and is like, I shall pay with a letter of currency from the New Republic High Command. And the spider's like, no, hard cash. But here's the real thing. Isn't Han Solo trying to be incognito? Like, he's got a beard, he's pretending the Falcon isn't the Falcon, and he painted his droid purple? Why is he bringing along super official fun bucks from the High Command if he's like, I'm just some fucking guy? Yeah, I'm a dude. Also, I have a, like, writ of currency as an ambassador from the New Republic. Yes. Hello, I have an exchequer's note that indicates that I am minor nobility among the people of the New Republic, but please, merely refer to me by one of your common peasant names. Call me... Uh, Oh, I don't know, Falvio. 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 I am Falvio. I am a simple peasant, humble beggar boy. I am a simple peasant with amazing pecs, and I want to ravish you. I am Falvio. (laughs) Please, help me prepare this pizza. I shall merely put my arms around you, and we will spin in unison. (laughs) Okay, so so whatever the case is, this just looks dumb. Han whipping out, like, the most official currency in the world for even though he has pocket change to pay for this anyway yeah i it's weird it's weird that he would decide a letter of currency is a thing that you would use i don't understand how he would do that cuz it's the letter of currency is what is that just like a like a like a check note something that says supposed it's to st- worth money yeah you're supposed to stop into like an ambassador's office or the local money currency exchange and be like here this thing is good for a bunch of credits it, it indicates to you that the the new republic it'll establish a credit line for them effectively it's like hey please run a credit tab for these guys the new republic will pay for it i don't understand why they would think that was a thing that they would use I, why didn't they stop somewhere else and exchange it for a huge pile of fucking credits or just have a huge pile of credits. I mean, if if the only way the New Republic is willing to fund them going on vacation is through one of these pieces of paper, then stop somewhere, like, go to that fucking casino planet where Avaro was from in the last book rhodia and be like hey i got this this is huge money someone trade this thing for a big pile of chips and credits and blitz <laughs> yeah give me some chips and, and blitz and give me some jewels or something i don't know give, give me, me a th- big diamond i need a bunch a big pile of random jewels and three art pieces worth 20 gold pieces thank you i have a lapis lazuli <laughs> and a statue i <laughs> got a small statue of a knoll fighting a spider can i please get 40 <laughs> credits for this <laughs> so but it's just, it's just so dumb for them to be like, oh, we're going incognito to a weird backwater planet no one's ever been to before. Let's bring a note from our parents, you know, instead of money. Yeah, it's, it's real dumb. It's real fucking stupid. Anyway, it's compounded by the fact that Han feels like arguing with this spider is the height of interesting times. Also, I love that his initial reaction to, I'm not going to accept this, like, writ of currency is... Do you know who I am? Yes. Yeah. Do you know who I am? I'm some nobody. (laughs) (laughs) Like, not only is it, okay, you're trying to be incognito, but that Han's first reaction would be like, do you know who I am? I am a muckety-muck. Like, no, man. Han's first reaction is going to be like, look, you son of a bitch. Yeah. (laughs) He'll shoot the guy. Like, which part of you kills you? (laughs) Which part of your dumb appendages are are lethal? (laughs) So so eventually they offer to just pay the guy the money because money doesn't matter in this book I don't know why they keep pretending it does and the spider's like, fine I'll put the shielding over you and then I'll give you a ride back to town in my little crawler thing yeah and they're kind of worried because they think that they're supposed to meet a contact when they get to the planet and they don't so they're like maybe the contacts in that bus or maybe this spider guy is the contact which prompts 3PO to say a dumb thing to him in his contact language yeah, which in, uh, the, in the language that the messages have been in yeah which of course is also something in this spider's home language but something offensive and he's like why would you irritate my auditory organs well i think it's i don't think it's a thing that is from his language i think it's just oh. you made weird noises stop that oh i thought it was literally that that 3po in the spider's language had said i will irritate your auditory organs no <laughs> i prefer to live in my world john i know i know you prefer to live in your weird dumb world where you have no <laughs> reading comprehension <laughs> Hey, you're the one who tried to convince me that the green thing that they're going to meet in a minute is, is in a hairy outfit and not just hairy, and on a second reread, I just I confirmed that he is indeed hairy. Nah. he's See, we're going to have to agree to disagree. He's got a pelt he is, that he is wearing. No, he is a pelt no. that has feet and legs. No. Anyway, Han grabs a chunk of the crawler to try and climb in, and it turns out he didn't grab a chunk of the crawler. He, drab- he grabbed a chunk of the driver. Oh, no. He, and, and Luke's like, hey, let go of him. You're holding onto his arm. And... But the funny thing is, that's not the first thing that happens. He grabs the, the, the arm of this spider that's driving the car, and the arm immediately starts writhing to get away from him, and the driver says, hey, let go. Huh. And Han's like, ah, why is this pipe moving? And Luke's like, let go of him, that's his arm or something. And Han is like, how did you know that? My God. How did I, well, because first of all, he told you to let go. <laughs> if you grabbed a part of his car he didn't want you to touch, do you think you would have noticed Yes, <laughs> you grabbed his damn arm, Han. Huh, let go of it. It's not because I'm a magic jedi. It's because I can see his big leg thing flailing around <laughs> It's because I am observant and unlike apparently you and Leia, I am not a huge space race. Yeah, apparently, the space racism is a family trait for the solos now. yeah, that's that's that honestly, that's gonna be a thing going forward here. Yeah, this sexually is sexually so, transmitted space races. Yeah, this was our big chance to get away from Leia the space racist, and it turns out that she married into it. Yep, I did not expect it. I thought Han was pretty cool. You know, he's a friend. I he's guess a cool Chewie, guy. Chewie's his one friend that's an alien. Yeah, he's like, look, I've got alien friends. I've got a Chewie. It's cool. <laughs> I can say the I, I can say the A word. <laughs> Chewie lets me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sir, please do not call me an alien. All right. Anyway, they get in the thing with the spider. The spider takes them to town. So in town there's a a whole bunch of like street peddlers and beggars and like buskers and whatnot. Oh, this is straight up like they walked into the center commons of Forgotten Realms or something. And you're, uh, you're like, Hello, I am a I am a street busker. I am playing a loot for a coin. Yeah, which is weird to me, given that this is a strange backwater area, and there's like a ton of people that are at the entrance to this that are like busking and trying to get money for it. You go. how often do you get people that show up to this weird bullshit station? Yeah. It's not like it's on the way to anything, but apparently most of the town's economy is derived from begging from the three people that show up there a week. Yeah. So, um, basically a whole bunch, of pe- they, they pass by a whole bunch of people. that are like singing or, 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 uh, offering them fried sticks of things. And then they, uh, they come across a, uh, polyamorous cuddle puddle and, uh, <laughs> Luke decides that's art so so this is kind of a fun moment they come across what are described as brebischem's. so Brebishems are apparently flat goopy like elephanty looking boneless weird aliens. I, I don't know the the description of them is bare minimum bad uh and they're in a big heap and you can't even tell if it's one or a whole bunch of things in there and they're just in a slowly quivering moaning wet heap on the sidewalk. And as they pass by, Luke throws money at this heap. And and Han's like, why did you throw money at that gross, wet mound? <laughs> and, and and Luke's like, I am in appreciation of their art. And he's like, their art? How do you know that that's not just what they do? And Luke's like, I know art when I see it. Like, again, it's one of those things where Luke's like, nah, man, I ain't a space racist. Look, I've been to the local, like, bebishem art gallery. If you look up Brebishems on w- on Wikipedia, which I have done. Of course you have. They are known as a species that piles themselves up in heaps and quivers for <laughs> money, and that's it. That's yeah. all we get on them. Yeah. So, okay, so we don't know what they look like or what they are. I want to know how Luke did. Like, how cosmopolitan is this guy? He's maybe 35. He's Up until he was 19, he lived on one crappy planet, hanging around with humans and arguing about power converters. Then he became a cool Jedi for a little while. At, at what point did he meet brebischem's and become invested in their art culture? I uh, Man, apparently, as soon as they were like, look, we took out the Empire, Luke was like, dude, I'm going to go backpacking through Europe. I'm going I'm to really expand my horizons. I can guarantee you that didn't happen because there's about a book for every year of uh, the Expanded Universe timeline. Yeah, well. There, Luke did not have time to head into to go to community college and take a, a, a semester on Brebisham art. You don't know that. We don't know what they're doing. What if that's how they eat, and he's just randomly throwing money at them? They could be super insulted. <laughs> I assume that this is literally supposed to be that this is him using the force to know what they're doing? Nah, he knows. He, Like I said, he's been to the Brebisham Art Museum. He <laughs> knows what it is. What is a Brebishem Art Museum? Is it just a bunch of quivering heaps of Brebishem? Yes. Or is it pictures of that? Both. <laughs> <laughs> and what is the art that they're doing? Do they just quiver in heaps, or is this like sex that we're seeing? No, man. Like, Is this art in the form that porno is art? It's It's like dancing for them. <laughs> it's like so it's a heap of dancing art yeah okay fair enough it's like watching a ballet he specifically tells han when han's like uh that's art and and luke has to be like yeah it's not that different from singing or bolo ball <laughs> bolo ball Man, yeah, get out of here with bolo ball that's not a thing who are you trying to kid and that's <laughs> that's not the last time bolo ball will be brought up no it sure isn't anyway at this point they get a uh, Approached by what would by be Gollum? A, it's it, yeah, it's a tout, you know, a light boy, the kind of person who shows up and is like, "Hello, I know all the secret places. I'll d- take you through the jungle for a Coca Cola. Do you want to go to a hotel? I know many shinies, that kind of guy." But it's straight up just Gollum. It's a Gollum. It is a hundred percent a Gollum wearing Gergie's outfit. It, Gollum shows up in a big green pelt and he's like has it got a coin in its pockets is hello gentles have you got a coin to spare it perhaps in your pockets is your pockets is for that kind of thing uh I mean literally it is gollum it oh, uses yeah. the word pocketses yeah no Gollum shows up and is like yo let's uh let's do this I mean I appreciate that Vonda McIntyre here has recognized that that Star Wars really is more of a, a fantasy that happens to have spaceships in it by putting in, you know, heaps of weird monsters and and uh, spiders you can argue with and a golem. So but but on the other hand, it is just a golem. Oh yeah. It just shows up like Ugh! Give me coins from your pockets <laughs> Oh, Jedi's. Gollum. 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 <laughs> so so uh, they, we never get the name of this thing. Also, we can't tell from the description if it is furry or not. No. The, the first several times you, it, they describe it, they just keep calling it the hairy green thing. And then at the very end, Han ends off the, the little discussion of it by saying, like, I'm going to follow a man in a green hairy suit. Like it says that he's in like he's got a green pelt but the pelt could be his a pelt referring to his skin yeah, I was or say, a pelt he I, is wearing cuz i can tell you a lot of things that got pelts wolves yeah <laughs> like the description of him it could be a dude in a green fur thing like he could be wearing a uh, he could be a, a he, golem pimp. Maybe he's maybe he's a golem who skinned a battle cat. He is he's got a green fur jacket and a walking cane and he's just like, <laughs> Yes! Has it got money for its daddies? <laughs> you work for me now. <laughs> yeah, he's Gollum the Pimp. Yeah. It's Gollum the Pimp shows up and, and basically at this point he turns into what any tout does at that point. He starts fending off other beggars. Yeah, mine, mine, mine. they're mine, (laughs) my precious. Or I will help you not. And he basically is like, I will take you to a good hotel where humans would go. Yeah. Now, the weird thing for me is, like, Luke gives him a coin or whatever, and he starts leading them to this hotel. And it's like a ways away. Mm -hmm. Also, at this point, they've lost 3PO and neither of them seems to give a shit. (laughs) That's true. Well, to to their credit, when 3PO started walking around in the the, the, the shitty street thoroughfare with them, he was like, oh my, I hope we can meet our contact soon. You know, our contact we aren't supposed to talk about out loud, and I'm talking about him out loud right now. Oh, the devil am I. Yes. hmm." And they're like, 3PO, shut up. Shut up? Okay. I'll stop talking about the contact. And They're like, no, please, really stop talking. Like, that whole thing happens. He's just comedy relief here. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a thing where Luke is like, yo, shut the fuck up. Like, do not talk about what we are supposed to be doing here. And he's like, oh my. And then just wanders off. they go, huh, What wonder what happened to 3PO. <laughs> anyway, who gives a shit? Let's wander into the middle of this station, get a hotel room, and never give a fuck about him again. The funny thing to me is that at this point in this story, Han is still pretty sure he's on vacation. Like, he thinks that he's along with Luke who's here to meet some lady and, and get a message, but he's like, oh no, I'm here to gamble and drink. Yeah, no, Han's whole thing is at this point is just, oh, Luke's like fucking running at shadows and he's on a fucking stupid hunt to try and find Jedi that don't exist. But the longer it takes him to realize that, the longer it is that I can be away from my responsibilities as a general. Yeah. So they get led to a human-friendly hotel, and it sounds very nice. It's under some dome that's cooler than the other domes. There's pretty water it's features. Cooler than the other domes. Well, it's also colder because apparently it's quite hot to run Cersei. Uh, it's too close to a bunch of radiation and black holes and stuff, so the whole planet is or the whole planetoid is crazy hot all the time. Well, yeah, because the uh, the shielding can only absorb the radiation, but then it has to like turn it into heat afterwards. And there's no real good way to vent that heat. Nope. They make it to an actual cool hotel room. And uh, effectively, you know, it's like a little tropical jungle sort of thing. There's forests everywhere. There's, like, water features. And, excuse me. And Han grabs a seat outside because he's planning to go get drunk and play some cards. While Luke goes in and sets up all their hotel room and stuff. Yeah, like, they, they get a room that are like, connected. They're in those hotel rooms that have, like, a door between the two of them. Yeah. And Luke's, like, knocking on the door to get into Han's room, and Han's like, nah, fuck it, I'm gonna go gamble. (laughs) Yeah. Like, he doesn't even answer the door. He's just like, and good day. Good Eh, day, sir. Goodbye, fucking boring Jedi idiot. (laughs) Look, (laughs) I gotta... (laughs) We've apparently lost our droid, which is the only one who can decipher this dumb language, and neither of us gives a shit. Like, at all. And then, as soon as we get into a hotel room, it's Luke is... Just gonna try and knock on my door, and instead of saying, "Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go check something out," I'm just going to not answer him and leave. Yeah. At that point, we don't go back to Luke in this chapter, but I have to imagine Luke is like, "What the fuck is going on here? Everyone has abandoned me." Well, I like the idea that he straight up just keeps knocking on Han's door for the right re- the rest of the time knock, that Han knock, is gone. Knock, knock, Han. Knock, 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 Han, buddy, Han. Hey, knock, 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 Han. Knock, 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 Han. Knock, knock, knock. <laughs> Han, bazinga. (laughs) So Han goes and sits outside in the cool air underneath this particular dome, and he looks up at the crazy sky show of the nonsense black hole swirly shenanigans when he is approached by a ghostling. (laughs) You can't tell me you forgot about ghostlings. Oh, no, I didn't forget about it. I just forgot it was right now that it shows up, and it is probably one of the best things in this book. So a ghostling apparently, according to this book, is basically a human but wispy and ethereal. Uh they are very, very attractive to humans because they're also wispy and skinny and, and, and Well it s- doesn't even say they're skinny. It's just like the way that it describes them is basically uh it's a whole race of Adam Warlocks. Like yeah, a well, bunch them, like gold, gold people. That, yeah, they're gold and but they don't have frizzy triangular afros, so they're not maguses. They're specifically more Adam Warlock. Yeah, they are Adam Warlocks. Yeah, but it does say that they're ethereal, and no one, no one's ever both ethereal and thick with two C's. Oh, you are totally there. There is definitely someone who's got ethereal thickness. <laughs> okay, I, you just described like Beyonce stage. Yeah, name. Beyonce comes out on stage <laughs> and like, please welcome to the stage her ethereal thickness. <laughs> Beyonce <laughs> got me looking so crazy right now. You yeah, know? got me All looking right. so crazy right but now. But I also don't. Think Think that this is a species of gold Beyonces? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'll tell you that's uh, the reason everyone wants to fuck them is because it's an entire species of gold well, Beyonces. Here's here's the reason we can tell it's not a species of gold Beyonces. Beyonce can apparently fuck humans. <laughs> apparently, I mean, we I don't know. May, maybe the people that she has sex with are not humans. But but uh, the, here's the the magic thing about ghostlings. The primary difference between them and us is that if if humans fuck them, they fuck them to death. Oh yeah, it's like bees. <laughs> Yes, if humans fuck bees, we fuck them to death. <laughs> also true. <laughs> Not me, man. I'm tender with my bees. <laughs> yeah, I. Okay, so the whole thing is supposed to be like, all right, we're super attracted to ghost, these ghostlings, and they're super attracted to us too. Yes, because we're we're so solid and thick. Oh yeah, they're like, oh, Ooh. let me get my yeah my hands around that thickness. Yeah, a goose a ghostling sees every human is basically like the brawny paper towel man. Yeah, or and, yeah. And so the whole thing is like, oh, you know, they're super attracted to each other as these races, but should they ever consummate their love, then the ghostling will die because they're so fragile. But I'm like, really? Because, like, what what about ghostling on top? What about reverse ghostling? (laughs) Like, like you'd think... They would be able to control how hard they get fucked to the point where they don't just die immediately. Yeah, plus humans could show a little more sensitivity in this situation. You don't always have to fuck ghostlings hard. In fact, sometimes it's not right to do. Sometimes you gotta make some love and (laughs) fucking give them some smooches (laughs) smooches too. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes you gotta fuck ghostlings gently. (laughs) <laughs> uh. I mean, what's their favorite position? <laughs> uh. I'm not into that, but I'll do it for them. <laughs> yeah. What's their favorite dish? I'm not gonna cook it, but I'll order it from, from the planet Zanzibar. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. Apparently the only way to fuck ghostlings is straight up like a truck. <laughs> yeah. If you fuck a ghostling, you are fucking right through them. Yeah, you're basically John Holmesing their shit. <laughs> You are going to go in there and just destroy a ghostling. I like the, and here's the other problem with this this description of ghostlings. Are they only ladies? Like, Yeah, because the other thing is, <laughs> it's all ghostlings, which means like, are they bees? Like, does a ghostling's dick rip off when he's finished having sex and then he just dies? Yeah, that's got to be, but only when he has sex with a human. Yeah, that's true. Because human vaginas are just far too tight for the They're average like, ghostling. <laughs> Those oh. kegel muscles will rip that dick right off a ghostling. <laughs> And you can't just be like, "Hey, relax. Don't don't re- please please release your hold on my ghostling dick." <laughs> <laughs> but of course, we aren't going to discuss what dude ghostlings are like cuz that wouldn't be sexy. No. They're all wispy and ethereal and they're attracted to women that are all, you know, kind of a little more Melissa McCarthy-ish. <laughs> they got that thickness. <laughs> that ethereal thickness. <laughs> this is fucking ridiculous. What is this? And the worst part is that Han straight up takes it in stride in the worst way. Oh, yeah. Well, like, this ghostling shows up, and the first thing that happens is, like, hey, do you? And he's like, look, I don't have any change. I can't give you any money. And then sees it's a ghostling. He's like, ooh. And the ghostling just says, look, all I don't want your money. I just want a moment of your time. And he immediately says, to your death. No, it's, Look. I want I have a proposition for you. If you could just give me something. He's like, "Oh no, that would kill you." <laughs> like I, he's like so full, sure of himself in this situation that when she's like, "Hey, I just need to could you do me a favor?" He's like, "I know. I understand. You want me to you want the Han dick. I I get it. I, I, get I it. understand that you want this dick and that it will kill you, but this D is worth it." I mean, I I fully understand. I'm Han Solo, so I've met two women in my life, and both of them wanted to fuck me. Look, it wasn't really spoken with Mon Mothma, but but you could tell. You knew. Everyone knew. (laughs) Everyone knew it. (laughs) So... So, but it's amazing because her response is just like, you know, or his response to her being like, could you do me a favor is, I can't. I would kill you with my dick. My dick is lethal. It, it, I've, got, I've got the deadly inches. I've got those deadly inches. Once I get my inches in you. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm like a weird Harry Potter fanfic. It's Han Solo and the deadly inches. <laughs> and she has to be all like, okay, hold on wait i don't want to fuck you to death but the the weird thing is her response is oh no i'm past that phase there was a point where i was like huh maybe i should get fucked to death but i don't want that anymore (laughs) you're like oh thanks i can't i I will never get tired of thinking about how this ghostling situation works they're like a a race of gold fiona apples
1: (laughs) (laughs) and and the only way they're
0: protected by discord (laughs) And the only way that you can fu- you can fuck uh, them, I get uh, it. Gold I get apples, it. I get it. It's it's a joke about Echo and, and Discord and stuff. Yeah, it's great. I'm up to speed. Gold apples, yeah. Gold apples. <laughs> so it's, uh, Nike should be in there too. Uh, <laughs> but it's a whole race of gold Fiona apples, and and they all want to have sex with dudes because they perceive every dude passing by as the biggest brawniest. It's, they just think of humans as a big old collection of Joe Manginellos. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Man, you can't, but oh, how would they would love to fuck all these Vin Diesel humans they keep seeing, but unfortunately every human in the world fucks like a jackhammer with only one setting, kill. <laughs> yes, I set my jackhammer to kill, thanks. Hey, that's the pickup line you use on any ghostlings you meet. <laughs> They're like, that is exactly what I want. That's what I needed to hear. Thank you, yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe they're like, oh, ghostlings could have sex with humans and it wouldn't kill them. But they hate that. They're like, look, I didn't decide to have sex with you so you could lay me down, play some fucking Marvin Gaye and give it to me nice and slow, I want you to wreck me, okay? I want you to just push my insides out through my mouth, is what I'm saying right now. I mean, I've known some ladies in my time who were into that, I've known some dudes in my time, who were into that very specific form of treatment, but all of them could do it without dying. (laughs) It's just such an amazing thing to meet. It's like We've been talking about this for a while and I have to let you know, this is like three paragraphs but it is one of those points in a book where you're like hold on what the fuck race did you just make up hi baby i'm a ghostling my species entirely wants you to fuck us like you just bought us (laughs) what what the goddamn vonda what have you done what is this did you think about this when you were done (laughs) did she did she think about what dude ones of these would be like also who am I? She's like, oh yeah, all of them want to fuck humans, and humans all want to fuck them, but I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure if I met an ethereal gold person with like green hair, I'd go, hey, how did you how did you get out of an anime? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> wow, you're tall for an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> Incidentally, every Oompa Loompa I've fucked, I've fucked to death. <laughs> I, just so you know, I have fucked so many Oompa Loompas to death. <laughs> Oompa Loompa Doompa D do I don't have the second part of this. <laughs> oh, I did. I had it. Do it. <laughs> Oompa Loompa Doompa D. I want you to fuck me. <laughs> to, death. <laughs> to death. To death. To <laughs> death. But yeah. What do you get when you take that thick D? <laughs> So, I don't get it's so du- I, also yeah the fact that apparently every human in the world is automatically attracted or the universe is automatically attracted to these things no what if you're some dude who's into women with some meat yeah you're like yo i'm into that thickness and they're like but i'm ethereal you oh, like that's nice it's like fucking a ghost and they you're like i don't want to fuck a ghost look i i really don't need to stick my dick in spider webs like that's not a thing i want to do <laughs> Not all of us are into Gwen Stefani with gold spray paint. Please <laughs> run along now. <laughs> Step to it. <laughs> it's so also but yeah. if fucking them kills them. Like, what if I bump into one on the street? Is I that enough damage a- to murder a- apparently one? Apparently, they've got a glowing, flashing weak spot, like an Atari villain. That's <laughs> the, 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 that's the junk. Uh... They, they can t- you could throw them around. You could wrestle with one. It's fine, but don't touch that. Don't touch the spot. <laughs> God damn it. Anyway. <laughs> he goes to a bar instead. No, this is where the first time we get the uh oh, The Waru, the Waru our, our introduction to Waru, who we won't meet for several more chapters. But instead of wanting money or to fuck Han, she's mm-hmm. like, oh, you need to come find enlightenment with Waru. And Han is just like, that's weird. I was not expecting to be proselytized to in a, a weird backwater station. And then she says what everyone who's trying to proselytize you says. I'm not trying to proselytize you. I just want you to come with me just just come with me to this waru thing and then maybe I'll let you destroy me like literally <laughs> just tear me in half literally tear me in I mean one. it's you or the wind something's gonna do it <laughs> <laughs> yep there we go one of these days I'm gonna try to ride a bike and just fall clear through to either side of it at the same time uh <laughs> <sighs> Then he goes to a bar. <laughs> then he goes to a bar. Where he goes to a bar where a bunch of tentacles are waving from behind a bar, and they say two-element minimum to him. Yeah, so the bar has a two-element minimum, which, okay, you can basically immediately understand what he means. Yeah. I mean, well, I guess because it's two-drink minimums. He has a colloquial way of saying two-drink minimum. He considers drinks elements, probably because his species drinks liquid elements. Probably. But Han has to be a big old jackass about it and goes, all right, I'll have polonium and plumbum. You'll have plumbum? What the A plumbum? What is this, ancient Rome? Just say lead like a friggin' normal person. God. Yeah, he orders polonium and plumbum, which, you know, even the bartender's like, sir, don't be a jackass. Yeah, he's like, dude, we don't have that here. Please just order an actual drink. Please order beer. (laughs) (laughs) The weird thing is, what if the fucking tentacle monster was like, Indeed, polonium and plumbum coming right up, here's and then charged him for that. Yeah, here's here's the charge for a big glass of lead, sir, It's several thousand credits. <laughs> also, here's a glass of polonium. It's going to kill you if you just sit near it. Yeah, hey, it's a good thing you picked these two random things, and I had them. Yeah. Like, if you go into a bar and you assume he's being a dick about it and being like, oh, he's saying elements and he means drinks, I'm going to fuck with him. You're in a weird bar yeah, that, that has I- a bartender that is just tentacles? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he does serve elements. How grumpy are you going to be when he serves you a big glass of lead? What are you going to do with it? I'm not paying for this. I was just trying to be racist. I was just being an asshole. I'm sorry. I don't want this. <laughs> do you have a policy where you take things back if I was if I agree that I was just being a jerk-off? <laughs> Uh, d- yes, sir, we do. Here, Here's a glass of shitty water for you, you piece of shit. <laughs> you absolute piece of garbage. I mean, it's, it gets, Han immediately tries to lean over the bar to see what the rest of the tentacle dude looks like. Yeah, he's like, ooh, what's what's ooh, these tentacles coming off let's, from? Let's see what that goop is down at the bottom of you. Hey, you ethereal? You hey. gonna die if I fuck you? <laughs> hey, can I fuck your tentacleness to death? Ah, <laughs> oh, your tentacleness. <laughs> your ethereal tentacleness. Beyonce. <laughs> Anyway, he orders a couple of beers, sits down, and eventually finds his way into a card game. Yeah. And the card game is called, like, Chance and Risk or something. Yeah, and it's a modified human that is a giant lady. Oh, well, That's right. He meets a giant lady. He basically meets a uh, one of the Amazonian moon women from, uh, from Futurama, who's it's- all like, you want play cards and maybe snoo-snoo? <laughs> yeah, it's it is a human that has been modified... With cybernetics so much, she is bigger than Chewbacca, and is just like, yo, you want to play some fucking cards? Let's do this. We don't I'm going to fuck you to death on Solo. And then we watch women's basketball. We no can dunk, but good fundamentals. Uh. <laughs> so he goes off to play cards. And, and that is the end of our is, chapter. That's the end of chapter two. <laughs> Oh man, I I gotta say, the amount of stuff that we lingered on is like three paragraphs in this entire chapter of like 30 pages, but man, the rest of it, just so you know, not very good. Oh, Luke is like tragically boring in this chapter. If you're wondering the things that we didn't cover, a lot of it is Luke pining for the Jedi Academy on Yavin 4. Oh yeah, he's like, oh, I don't want to leave the Jedi alone, but I want to find masters and I'm... So sad, because I don't know what the actual Jedi Order was like. It's also them evaluating every person they come across because they might be the contact they're looking for. Uh, and then a lot of arguing with a spider about the cost of radiation shielding. Uh, a lot of descriptions of what happens to spaceships if they don't have radiation shielding. Yeah, it's a lot of discussion about radiation shielding and like how radiation works. Yeah, it's star matter and heat dispersion. There's a lot of hard sci-fi mixed in with a lot of insane alien romance stuff, <laughs> yeah. is basically what you're looking at here. It is It is a weird Harlequin romance novel set in space that is also just like, and let's take a break from that to talk about how cooling systems work on an asteroid. You're yeah. like, okay. Like I would have figured that Han's first plan would be like, well, I've got like $40. I should and this writ of mark from the from the uh, the first thing the, I should do is find a bank or yeah. something here. I mean, he's got something from like the East India Trading Company. He needs to go turn into loose cash, but instead he's like, "I'll take my forty dollars and turn it into two hundred dollars in a pub." Yeah, he's like, "Oh, I know what I'm gonna do. I'll find a back room gambling area and then I'll win money." That's his plan, but that's okay because both him and Lando have that superpower. Yeah, well, they put points into Gambler, so yeah. it's fine. So they always gamble in their own favor, and yet they continue to go on random adventures anyway, yeah. even though they had an easy free source of money whenever they wanted. Well, it's because every time you screw people over in gambling, they're like, well, now I'm going to kill you, and you have to go run away. Well, you'd think like, early on, Han was such a good gambler that he actually won the Millennium Falcon from Lando. Yeah. Like, why when he owed all that money to, to, to Jabba, why didn't he just go gamble it up? If he's so good at gambling, so good because the people that he could gamble with in time know that he's got that power and they'd be like, I ain't gambling with you. Well, they didn't know here. Why did he just go to Circe station back then? Yes, back then. Why didn't he go to a secret empire station that was run by weird scientists? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, I think you feel me. Yeah, yeah, I'm on board with that. Sure, yeah. Why so, not? So there we go. We got our whole first descrip our first line item about Waru here. So get ready for some fun with that piece of crap. I'm excited to meet Waru. Oh, he is something special. He's like a like a sea anemone kind of. It's it's a it, he's a mess. Nice. Is, is what he is. Nice. Basically, he's just a bunch of big metal pangolin plates that open up and goo, goo comes out the sides. Oh yeah. I mean, ugh, that's my fetish. <laughs> so get ready for that. That's fun. Hopefully Luke eventually does something. If I hopefully they find 3PO because at this point, <laughs> oh, who cares? No, I just I love that I I keep harping on it, but he walks off and they don't they don't even ask anyone. Yeah. They're not even like Hey, you seen a weird purple protocol droid wandering around, being like, "Oh, oh my, oh, oh, how? Very, oh, Atu, <laughs> oh, I forgot he wasn't here. Oh, <laughs> if if you've seen one of those guys, can you send him back our way?" Oh, so there's own? like there's like a whole area of the station that's those guys. Everyone leaves them when they get here. Yeah, you walk into a room and it says, "Oh, oh, 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 oh my, oh, 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 <ohAttaudio> oh boy, oh oh, 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 oh dear." <laughs> I don't like the way this looks. I don't like the way this looks. Oh, oh, I have a bad feeling about this. Oh, I have a worse feeling about this. Every once in a while they just send in a, a, a person in a giant R2D2 costume to calm them all down. Yeah. <laughs> they're all like trying Beep, to give it hugs. Boop. Oh, oh, R2, you bucket <laughs> of bolts. Oh, oh, how dare you even show your face. Oh, and they're like all nestling up against him. Ooh. Ooh. Beep Ooh. boop. Who would like juice boxes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. (laughs) There's chapter two of the crystal star. (laughs) Oh, we missed one other thing. Uh, At a certain point in this chapter, C-3PO looks at Luke and goes, Oh, Master Luke, you appear to be sick. And Luke plays him off by saying, Oh no, you just have purple paint on your sensors. Okay. That's all. Just keep it in mind. Because I haven't read this in forever, but I think Luke gets sick. Okay. I think he literally gets sick by being too close to that fucking star. Yeah, I don't even remember yeah. that in the chapter, yeah, so but it, It's the first foreshadowing of something that will happen to Luke over the course of this. So I just wanted to make sure we, we mentioned it. All right, so there you go. That's Chapter 2 of Vonda McIntyre's Crystal Star, Season 2, Chapter 2, Expounded Universe, from us to you. Yay! <laughs> so, as always, if you like what you're listening to, you can support us on Patreon, I guess. Uh, this <laughs> until are, we find out something better to do. Yeah, until until they make an even worse decision. Uh, so do that by going to patreon.com slash System You unlock the bonus content. And as long as we're over that $1,000 mark, we get this show weekly instead of every other week. Yep. So do that. Buy any RPGs you want by clicking on the link for drive-through RPG on our website, systemmasterypodcast.com. We get a little kickback off that. It's the closest we do to commercials. And uh, let's see. What else we got to talk about? You can find us if you want to contact us at System Mastery at Gmail, Twitter, Reddit, Facebook. All those places you can send us messages, recommendations, just tell us how much you like us. Follow us on Twitter. Send us your likes and retweets or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, make us upworthy or, I, I don't know, swipe left or wh- which one's the good swipe? <laughs> swipe uh, right is the good swipe. Is that the good swipe? Okay. Then yeah. swipe swipe right on our Tinder profile. Why not? Yeah. We're System Mastery at Tinder. We should do that. We should make a, twind- a, a, a System Mastery Tinder and just swipe left on everybody. Hell yeah, we should. That's, and that's, so that's... we're just going to swipe left on everyone so no one gets to match with us? That's right. We want no. We want none of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think that's all the advertising we got to do at the end of these chapters. Yep. So once again, sorry for whatever the hell is going on with Patreon. It wasn't our idea, and it, and and uh, you know we, we're doing our best to to come up with alternate revenue streams in the interim. But let's just let them shake it down and send out what I'm sure is going to be their their absolutely heartfelt and not forced out at gunpoint apology. That's going to probably happen tomorrow. Oh, I'm sure they're going to apologize and change nothing. Yes, but that's uh, exactly what it is. <laughs> we're sorry. The message was delivered incorrectly. What we meant to say was, give us your goddamn money. Well, the funniest thing about the whole thing is that they, instead of telling us what they were doing, which was switching their payment model to an anniversary-style payment model, uh, they just said, this is good for creators, and left it at that. Yeah. They were like, look, we're just going to charge your patrons like a bunch more money, but it's good for you. I hate this, because I keep getting emails from Patreon subscribers they are like, hey, guys, I just upped my pledge because I heard they're charging you more. And I'm like, oh my god! If they had put out a good release, they know that they aren't charging us more. They're charging you, the listeners, more. Yeah. And we're real. And the reason we're so s- salty about it isn't because they're we're losing money from from them. We're losing. We will eventually lose money when people realize how much they're screwing over our listeners. Oh yeah. Well, the whole Ugh. thing with Patreon is we're gonna screw over the patrons and then say, oh, but we're giving it to the creators, but they're not. They're giving like a couple cents on the dollar more, while Patreon takes like. Five times as much of that as money they get. Yeah, well, we've we've set up a way on the site. You can go to the site. There's now a give us some money button. You can press that to just send us money directly if you want. Yeah, if you're totally opposed to Patreon, but you still want to support us, you can go ahead yeah. and check out the give us some money button on SystemMasteryPodcast.com and do that if you want to. Go ahead. It's fine. Or, although, I don't think Patreon's that bad yet. I'm Personally, I'm, I'm in the mode of let's see how this all shakes out, and then we'll we'll figure out what to do from there. Yep. Okay, so I think that's about all we need to talk about. So until next week, or two weeks from now, who knows, I'm Elan sleaze and I love Death Sticks. Reverse permanent butterfly wolf wares. I got a yelp now for yep, you. Yep, yep, yep. I hate dogs and Chewbacca's. <laughs> Set my jackhammer to kill. <laughs>